And turn your Bibles, we're going to be in starting in the book of Malachi. Book of Malachi. And a few weeks ago, we, uh, we started this message. And as you're turning there, coming down to the close of football season, and it was a diehard fan was, to, was surprised to see an empty seat at the Super Bowl. He noticed a woman sitting next to the empty seat and asked her about it. Well, that seat was my husband's, she said, but he passed away. I'm so sorry for your loss, said the man. What a nice way to honor him by keeping his seat empty. Well, I actually asked everyone I knew if they wanted to come, said the woman. But they all insisted that they should be at his funeral. Some of you got that. Amen. Anyhow, a couple weeks ago, we started to search out God's word to find direction, to find solutions on how to attain financial freedom. And God wants us to be financially free. We need to understand that. He does not want us to, he does not want to get from us. He wants to give to us. And again, there's three main people that are interested in your finances. Number one is you, or you ought to be. Number two is God who wants to, to bless and give to you. And the third one is Satan himself who wants to steal from you and destroy you. Amen? That kind of puts it into perspective. Let's pick up in Malachi chapter 3, skipping down to verse 7. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. God says, return to me and I will return to you. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to, to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Again, God's desire is to deliver us from financial bondage. He wants us to draw closer to him. And our heart's desire needs to be to draw closer to him and not to, to get rich or just to have things. Amen? Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. God says, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an, evil, like an eagle toward heaven. Remember, money talks. Amen? It tells us goodbye all the time. Plain and simple. Now, let's review and consider what we need to do. We, we started looking through 
um, all the things that we need to do. And the first step was returning to God. And we see that right in verse 7 in in our, our text in Malachi. God says, return to me. That return has to be the same point in which we departed. And where is that? We see that right in verse 8. God just simply says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But we say, in what way have we, have we robbed you? And God's reply, in tithes and offerings. Remember, God is not trying to get from us, but give to us. We need to understand that. God created and he owns all things. He does not need us, and he certainly does not need our money. Amen? 2 Corinthians 12, 14, God says, I do not seek yours, but you. Amen? God isn't after what we have. He owned it in the first place. Amen? He's after us. I do not seek yours, but you, our heart. God wants us, not our money. Amen? God's desire is always for our heart. Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. The key is putting God first. Matthew 6.33 tells us that if we seek God first, if we seek his kingdom, his righteousness, then he said, I promise to add all these things unto you. He promises to supply every one of our needs. Amen? And the starting point, again, is that return to God. Return to him spiritually with our heart, but also financially with our tithes. He blessed us and he gave it to us to begin with. So we need to return just that small portion back to him in obedience. Amen? Second thing. Next thing that we need to do is replenish God's house. Verse 10. God says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So when we return back to God, God says we are to bring our tithes. A tithe, again, is 10% of what we make. The other 90 is ours to do with what we wish. We need to be wise with it, obviously, but it's still our decision. God is only asking for 10%. 10%. And we need to understand that God instituted tithing 400 years before the law, before the Ten Commandments. In Genesis 14, we read how Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, the high priest. So tithing is also instituted. Not only was it instituted before the law, but it's also instituted after the law. And we saw that in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Then in Hebrews 7, verse 1, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, 
priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and he blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part, ten percent, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, who remains a priest continually. So we saw and, and, and understood that Melchizedek is actually was Christ. He was a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Christ. Melchizedek had no beginning, no ending, no genealogy. There's only one that fits that description, amen? And that's Jesus himself. And Jesus is our spiritual priest forever and ever. Not after Aaron, symbolic of the law, but after Melchizedek, symbolic of grace. Romans 3.31 Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Just as the law, the Ten Commandments, gave us a foundation on how to live, Tithing is that foundation for financial freedom. So our tithes and offerings are what we are to bring. Now let's consider where we are to bring them. It's going back to verse 10 in Malachi. God says, bring all the tithes into where? The storehouse. Amen. Now, the storehouse is where they kept the tithes in the Old Testament temple. Today, Christ has given us this beautiful what? Church house. Amen? Church house. And this is where we are to bring our tithes today. We are to bring it to the church house. So, that's the what, that's the where. Now, let's consider the when. When are we to bring our tithes in? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Right in verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints. Who are saints? We are. Every born-again believer is a saint of God. Now concerning the collection for the born-again believers, for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must also do. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So, God has given us instructions that we are to bring our tithes when? On the first day of the week. That's not Monday, it's what? Sunday, today. Why is that? Because that's when we gather for service. Amen? First day of the week, Sunday. That's when we gather together. That's when we come together in fellowship. That is the New Testament Sabbath. Amen? The Apostle Paul not only all, uh, uh, tells us when, but also who. Who does this pertain to? Verse 1 says, So you must do also... And then in verse 2, it says, each one of you. So who does this apply to? All of us, right? Every single Christian believer. And he tells us, 
uh, that it's storing up, right? Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches, so you must do. On the first day of the week, let each one of you, all of us, lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper. That word or that, that phrase, storing up, is the same Greek word that is used in Malachi and translated as storehouse. Amen? So that's the what, that's the where, that's the when, and that's the who. Now let's keep digging and find out the why. Verse 2, right here in, in 1 Corinthians 16. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper. Now here's the why. That there be no collections when I come. Simply put, what God is telling us here, if we are obedient to God's plan for giving, all of our needs, whether it's at home or in the church, whether it's our personal needs or the needs of the entire body, they will be met. Amen? That's what God is telling us here. If we're obedient to his plan of giving, then all of our needs, personal and as the body of Christ, all those needs will be met. We're responsible to put ourselves in a position for God to bless us. Remember, that is his heart's desire. He wants to bless us. But it's our obligation to put ourselves in a position to allow him to bless us. We are to give before there is a need. Amen? We are to give before there is a need. Simply because we want to give back to God for all that he has blessed us with. That's what he's talking about here. That we are to bring it storing up as we prosper. Give before the need. That way, as soon as the need arrives, guess what? We're capable to meet that need right on the spot. Amen? And when we give in joyful abundance, it will meet every need. Every single need at the same time. Malachi, going back to Malachi in verse 10. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. He says that there may be food in my house. Literally, God is saying that there will be enough to do what needs to be done. Amen? That there may be food in my house literally means that there will be enough to do what needs to be done. There was a study I read. This, is, whew, this might be maybe 10 years ago. I read a study on tithing. And it showed that if every churchgoer, not just, not just church members, but if every churchgoer were to reduce, if they had their wages reduced to a welfare level, I want you to think about that. Every churchgoer, a regular churchgoer, if their wages were reduced to welfare level, but they tithe that 10% of that welfare uh, level wage, that church offerings would literally double. Think about that. 
If every one of us, we were lower to a welfare wage level, if we were just faithful and gave that 10%, this study showed that church offerings would double. What does that mean? That means that we could double the amount of needs to be met. Amen? That's the big takeaway. Again, tithing is not the only step to financial freedom. Amen? We need to understand that. But it's the foundation. It's the foundation for financial freedom. It will help us loosen our grip on material things. And this will open the door for the third point. And that is receiving God's blessings. Now, once we've returned back to God, Amen, both spiritually and financially, and we replenish his house, that's when he will pour out his blessings on us. That is the point of revival in our heart and in our life. Amen. That's what we need to understand. Now let's look back into, into Malachi for some, uh, uh, for some blessings here. First and foremost, God says, not only will I bless you, he said, but I will give you overflowing blessings. Amen? Verse 10. He said, bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to even receive it. That's quite a promise, isn't it? Amen? I don't know about you, but I can receive a lot of blessing. But God says you won't even be able to, to receive it. How many blessings are we forfeiting? Because we were afraid to give God 10%. God says, try me on this. Prove me on this. Put me to the test. But we fear. We fear that we wouldn't be able to, to have enough money to pay all of our other bills if we did. God says, try me. Put me to the test. Watch me meet those needs. And I've heard testimony after testimony, and I have my own testimonies that proves this 100% right. Amen? Needs were met that had no idea how they were going to be met. I could write a book full of testimonies about how many times God has proven this truth, not just to me, not just to my immediate family, but also to this church family. This includes both spiritual and financial blessings. Amen? We need to understand that. God will bless us on every level. Bottom line is we cannot outgive God. Amen? We could never outgive God. And what I say to you is try him. Let him prove it to you personally. Amen? Second thing God tells us here is that he will rebuke our enemies. Amen? He will rebuke our enemies. Verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. We all have times when people come against us, don't we? 
Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's not. But we all come against times when people come against us. They may not all be enemies, so to speak, but they become our adversary at that time. Amen? They may come in the form of a tax collector. It may even come in the form of a doctor bill. Right? And especially today, it certainly comes in the form of a grocery bill receipt. Amen? You've been to the grocery store lately. But God says when they come up against us, if we are being obedient to his program of giving, he will not allow them to destroy. He will not allow them to take away the source of our blessings and income. Why? Because that source is almighty. Amen. God is that source. We need to understand that you and I, we are not that source. Neither is our boss. Neither is the company we work for. Neither is the government. God and he alone is the source of our wealth. Here's a simple, very simple formula for us to remember. Amen. Everybody loves math, right? Just understand this formula. We will always get more with our 90% if God is our partner and we share you and he, I and he, we and he, if we share the 10% with him than if we kept that 100%. You understand that? We will always get more with that 90% if we partner with God and we share that 10% with him than if we kept that 100% all for ourselves. It's that simple. Amen? You say, Pastor, but what about those who don't have much? Do you expect them to tie that, that little bit that they have? I want you to think about that question. What do you think? And the answer is yes. Their 10% is absolutely going to be a lot smaller than someone who has more. And this is not being cold-hearted. It's just the opposite. Because what would be cold-hearted is if I failed to tell them the truth about tithing. And have them miss out on God's blessing in their life. Amen? We need to understand that God's blessing is proportionate to our need. So that person who doesn't have much but yet still gives their 10%, God is going to pour out a greater blessing for them proportionate to their needs. And it would be a disservice to me not to tell them about God's program about tithing. Amen? They would miss out on an endless number of blessings in their life. Having less is many times a blessing in disguise. Because that's when we tend to lean and depend on God more, isn't it? Amen? When we have less. So God commands us, he says, try me, prove me. And see if I don't pour out a blessing and see that I don't rebuke your enemies. And thirdly, 
He said, see that I don't restore your fruitfulness. Verse 12. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. God will pour out blessings on us so that we can what? Be blessings to someone else. God will bless us so that we can bless others. Again, we have to return to God. We have to put ourselves in that proper position to allow him to work in us and through us. (coughs) I remember, you know, just last year, you know, when I was still in high school, we learned about the destruction of Pompeii. Everybody remember hearing about Pompeii? The, the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Well, anyhow, I remember back in high school, again last year, I remember studying this, uh, uh, studying about Pompeii and Mount Vesuvius, and I remember seeing a, a very vivid picture of a man who had been buried alive in all the ash. And what stands out is what he was doing. In that picture, frozen in time, he was desperately trying to gather up his gold coins while Mount Vesuvius was just intensely erupting. And now he's been preserved in that position for almost 2,000 years. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. Jesus said, for what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So let's keep things in the proper perspective. Amen? God does not need us, but we desperately need him. He doesn't want to get from us. He wants to bless us and give to us. He doesn't need us, but he does want us. Amen? He wants us and not ours. He wants to have a close and personal and intimate relationship with each and every one of us. And he wants to open the windows of heaven, and he wants to pour out a blessing for us so rich that not one of us will be able to have room enough to receive it. Amen? Those are the truths about God. We need to always see that in a proper perspective. And when we do, we're building upon that foundation of financial freedom. Amen? Return to me, God says, And I will return to you.